0: It just kind of flowed out of me, this idea about how people are obsessed with power, but they don't want to admit it. They'll admit their dirtiest, most secret sexual desire, but when it comes to power, there's this like insane taboo about it. Well, the one that has the most emotional value to me is Never Outshine the Master, because I suffered from it. Where I suddenly got a phone call Um, from 50s literary agent, a guy named Mark Gerald, saying that 50 Cent wanted to meet me. And I was like, whoa, okay, sure. Can you come to New York and meet him? And he didn't really explain why, he just wanted to meet me. If you're able to see into yourself and other people and the world, the sky's the limit. You have all the power because most people walk around and they're kind of wrapped in illusions and fog. And, the, the, the thing is, these, this idea of radical realism, it's scattered in six of my books, and I thought I would take it all and put it all in one volume.
1: I'm DJ Semsex, this is the Hip Hop Raise Me podcast, right now I'm with one of the most vivid authors talking about Robert Green. welcome to the podcast it's great to finally talk to you I never thought I never thought I'd ever be interviewing you never in my life and then when she reached out to me I was like of course let's go
0: wow well I'm very ha- glad that we could make it happen you know I hope it wasn't difficult to to, to set this up or anything
1: no it's all good so good okay so so let's 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 get right into it do, do you want to talk about some sure. of the books that you've written sure
0: sure whichever ones what do you want to, which one do you want to delve into 48 laws or any
1: well yeah i mean you, you've written the 48 laws of power the art of seduction yeah. the 33 strategies of war um yeah. the 50th law the daily laws the newest book which is out right now and how before we get into how do you want to give an overview of what your most renowned book the 48 laws is all about because that's that's where the connection is between yourself and hip-hop like you know yes it is
0: yeah definitely well um the 48 laws of power it came out in 1998 and prior to that i had been kind of this this bum i had i was like 37 years old 38 years old i didn't really have any success in my life i'd been a writer for many years in journalism and in hollywood but i really hadn't become successful and so i got this chance to write a book and I had this experience of power in my own life. I've had like 60, at least 60 different jobs. 60. And I've had 60. I worked in a detective agency here in Los Angeles. I did construction work in Greece. I worked as an intern for a television uh, um, company in London. I worked in a hotel in Paris. I did every imaginable job. And I had all kinds of horrible bosses, like the worst kind of bosses. I had seen every kind of manipulation you can imagine. And I read a lot of history. So when it came for a chance for me to kind of pitch an idea for a book, which I was very fortunate to meet this man who's a producer of books, it just kind of flowed out of me, this idea about how people are obsessed with power, but they don't want to admit it. They'll admit their dirtiest, most secret sexual desire. But when it comes to power, there's this like insane taboo about it. No, books aren't written about it. All the self-help books on there are so sweet and sentimental as if, as if we are all these little angels, as if we're not primates, but angels instead. And it pissed me off to be honest with you. Like no one was really being honest. So I was gonna write a book that was gonna be honest, that was gonna hit you straight, like a straight shot of whiskey. No, I wasn't gonna dilute it with anything. And so I wrote the book, you know, after doing lots of research, and it came out in 98. And I didn't intend for it to be like something that would have necessarily appealed to rappers, to hip hop artists. But I was very pleasantly surprised when I began, first became kind of aware of this. As opposed to like Wall Street types who were interested in the book, I was much more excited about the impact it had in the music world. Mm. I can remember it was, I think in the year 2000, 2001, somewhere around there, there was an interview with Jay-Z that appeared in Playboy, and he was quoting the 48 Laws of Power. I was going, whoa, wow, Jay-Z's quoting my book. That's insane. Right. Then a couple of years later, Buster Rhymes reached out to me, right? And the great Buster Rhymes, he came mm-hmm. to Los Angeles. I met him. He was interested in, in adapting the 48 Laws of Power as a movie. And I had, you know, I'm going, okay, this is this book is, and he explained to me how he had come upon the book and slowly bit by bit, the picture began to get filled in as to why the book had resonated so much with the hip hop world. Particularly when I did my book with 50, he explained it to me as well. And it came at a moment in the late 90s, which was kind of a turning point in music and particularly in hip hop, where a lot of artists were suddenly interested in owning their own music and being kind of entrepreneurs because it's a business that traditionally is extremely exploitative, particularly of black musicians, right? So there was this thing, it kind of started a bit with Tupac, but it was growing and growing. There were a lot of managers that were now African-American in in, in our country and that were interested in like starting their own companies, their own labels. And as 50 explained to me later on, the music industry is probably the most Machiavellian environment on the planet right? He was not prepared for what it was like. And the 48 Laws of Power really helped him understand kind of the games that are being played there. And it really kind of anchored him in, in a way and helped him understand how to navigate this very sharky environment.
1: Okay, so did he read the book before he got shot or afterwards? Because 50 really resurrected himself he was shot nine times legendary story and everything else I've interviewed him many times and you know we, we talked about it but he I used to work at Sony way back in the day when um his first album came out the power of the dollar or was about to come out I never came I was, out I was you know you know why I say when it came out because I was doing street promotions. I had finished copies. I had promo copies ready to go to work at street level. Wow. And everything else. So, wow. So me and my street team were like, yeah, 50 My My, my street team were telling me this guy is the guy. He's, he's the one. He's going to blow on everything else. And, you know, stuff like how to rob, Incredible. You know, he's genius. He is a genius. He always was. But
0: it's a great album, by the way.
1: Yeah, but after he got shot and he he turned his life around, and we all know the story. We've seen the film, read the book, listened to the album. It's he he really turned everything on its head. Everything, the concept you know? of what you can be as a person. The, the it's the one of the greatest comebacks in history ever. You know. Yeah.
0: Well, I, um, do you happen to remember what year he got shot?
1: i was like 98,
0: 99, somewhere around yeah, there.
1: Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. 99. I'd say. Yeah. Okay. I'm not exactly sure. I think he, he got a
0: hold of the book just after he got shot. Right. And that's sort of when he turned his life around because he had been going, I think he was, his deal was with Columbia for power yeah. of the dollar, if I'm correct. And, you know, he sort of studied under Jam Master Jay, who's kind of his mentor a bit. And he would go to Columbia Records as kind of his apprenticeship to try and learn about the music business. So he was already just starting to think about a career that went beyond music, where he would be, not just be a musician, but would actually play a much larger role. And then he got shot as we know the story and, I think then is when he resurrected himself. And I think it's then that he turned to the book, but I can't be sure. I'm going to talk to him shortly and I'll ask him exactly. I should know that story. But, you know, once he got shot and the label dropped him, that was a really heavy moment for him, right? Because it was the moment where really it kind of showed that he was who he was, that he had this, he was somebody from the street, that his life was dangerous as opposed to a lot of what he called fake gangsters out there. And but they dropped him because they were too afraid of all the controversy around his name. And so he got he was really angry and he was able to kind of completely turn this thing around with his mixtape campaign shortly thereafter where he just went out and did the did the distribution of his music by himself on the streets of New York, you know, cassette by cassette or whatever it was he was selling at that time. And, you know, it was an amazing campaign. And then he got into the music business with his first deal. And then I think he got really struck by how difficult that environment was. You know, he had Eminem as a mentor and a few other people. But I think his early years in the music industry was when he really turned to the 48 Laws.
1: Mm. We're gonna We're going to revisit that. We'll get back to 50 Cent. I just want to go back to the 48 Laws. So you've done over 60 jobs. You, you, you're you writing the book what what made you decide 48 laws what what was it was it a kind of case where it wrote itself or was it yeah how did you come up with those because it's almost like a bible of how to you know exist whether it's in the streets whether it's in a corporate structure or whatever whatever industry In it is these these are the laws they really are like these are the ways some of them are a little common sense and if you you know what you're doing you're doing them anyway but some of them right get preached and you know quoted regularly so so yeah right. how, how how did how did how did they become set in stone
0: well um yeah, i have to go back to my process and we're talking like 25 years ago or 24 years ago but i can pretty much remember it um you know this was my ticket out of a life that was not going very well at the time. And so I did a lot of research and my idea what was going on in my head was, I wanna make this book as real as possible. I wanted to transcend the cultural moment so that people will be reading the 48 Laws of Power 100 years from now, that it's timeless. But I also wanted to transcend its culture. You know, I'm a white guy from Los Angeles, California, but all cultures around the world have the phenomenon of power because we're all humans. So I wanted to study what it was like in China, in Japan, in Africa, in South America. So it wasn't just a book about white Europeans. So I knew I wanted to spread my research as wide as possible. So so when you read the book, you have a feeling that this is grounded in human history and reality. It's not something I just dreamed up out of my own head. It's not just based on things, studies in the 1960s. It's based on things that go back thousands and thousands of years, right? So my process was I did a lot of research. I read hundreds of books, and I took notes on them. And as I read these books, like books about ancient China, et cetera, I began to see these themes that kept repeating itself about the human animal and how we respond to the game of power. And as I'm getting getting these themes, I'm getting very excited, and I'm going, These themes are kind of like laws of power that are timeless. You know, law number one, never outshine the master. I had examples from every culture, every time period, you can imagine of that particular story, right? So when I knew that, I knew I had a law there. It was firm, it was established. All cultures, all periods of time talk about it. I myself in my own life, I had experienced it myself. I had several jobs. Where I had literally outshone the master and I was fired. It's a very painful experience. So as I accumulated these kind of timeless laws, you know, originally I think I had something like 78 of them, you know, and then I, I started whittling them down. I started realizing this isn't really a law. It's kind of, it's not I don't have it grounded enough in enough stories and enough history. So I'd eliminate it or I'd combine it with something else. And in the process, it kind of whittled down and eventually it settled on 48. You know, when people ask me, do you think that covers everything? Is there a 49th law of power? I don't know. I think the book is pretty comprehensive because I I'm, my research was so intense and I looked at every angle that you could look at in power. So I want this book, you, you may hate it you may not agree with it but I think I nailed the phenomenon of power as it's used throughout history for good or for evil
1: hmm. I mean you know coming up as as a young hip-hop Dj as a fan of hip-hop um it I read it in the 90s it was like it was a you read it when it just yeah you read it, it when it
0: if, just came out yeah
1: it, it was like it was like, you have to, you have to have this book. I mean, i got it again recently because I've moved several times and everything else. And even the cover's the same. It's like, it's it's like a familiar part of, you know, growing up, coming through the ranks and everything else. And I've, I've had my own experiences working in labels and being in the DJ world and the radio world and everything. I totally relate to, to everything, you know. And the funny thing is, is... You know, even the most amateur, it's wrong to say amateur, the, the earliest emerging entrepreneur despised the free lunch. They don't really know yeah. why. It's like, but they're like, yeah, despise, you know, it's common knowledge. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they, they probably know vaguely where it came from and everything, but it's within, within my scene, within music, it's like, yeah, 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 don't take the free lunch. Now, like, for me personally... I'll take the free lunch because I know what it's about and I know what it means. I'm, if you want to sure. take it to Nobu or shit, do that. <laughs> like, you could pay, it's all good. But but where did that notion come from, like despise the free lunch?
0: Well, it's okay to, to, to take the free lunch as long as you're aware, which clearly you are, that there's probably a trick involved, that they're going to want a favor from you. Mm-hmm. So they'll take you to that nice Japanese restaurant and then a week later, they'll be calling you and asking you and in the most polite fashion, you can help connect them to this person or that. Yep. So they're going to want something. If you're aware of that, yeah. then go ahead and take the free lunch. Yeah. You know, more power to you. Yeah. Where that came from, you know, once again, I'm looking at researching the most powerful people in history. And I noticed that this kind of theme where they're generally very generous with their money because they understand that money is a tool of power. It has psychology behind it, it's not just a bunch of numbers. So if you're generous with your money, if you pay the people who work for you well, you know, if you give them the, the right perks, etc., you have a little bit of power over them, you have a little bit of control over them, because they're grateful, you have treated them well, and that's how the power game should be played. If you try and nickel and dime the people you're working for and save money here and there, you might make more money, but you're creating resentful people who are going to either sabotage you or they won't work as hard. So it's in your interest to be generous. But the flip side of it is when you want to be someone who pays for things, right? It's always worth paying it. So when people come to me saying, Robert, I'll work for you. I want to be your apprentice and you don't have to pay me. Uh, something is wrong there. First of all, everybody wants to be paid and everybody should be paid. And, you know, probably what you're doing there is you're probably angling for something larger than just working for me. You're making me feel like I'm grateful to you. And I'm the one in power. I don't want to feel grateful to you. I want you to feel grateful to me that I've given you this position. I don't like the feeling, and I think you can understand this, that you're obligated to other people, that you're beholden to them. In the power dynamic, that means they control it, right? So being the one who pays for things and who pays well means you're the person in position of power. You control things. People are psychologically tied to you in some way. So that was sort of the notion behind the, the idea. But in your case, I think it's perfectly fine to take it as long as you're aware that there's probably a trick being concealed in there.
1: Yeah, in in you know what it tends to be more than anything else, it's a brain picking exercise. It's it's always you want to meet with me because you need the information, you need the insight, you need to know how it's done, you need to know da 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 da. Oh, you're trying to vibe me out. I There's no, otherwise you wouldn't be meeting with me. You you're not doing it right. to catch up and talk about Star Wars. You know, it's like or the Mandalorian. Right. It's like so. Um, but yeah, there's there's an art to using it the right way as well. Like I think that's, you know, um, yeah. But but what I wanted to ask you was, you know, you know, with 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 investments and finance, it's a very hidden thing where kids aren't taught to invest their money properly. They are not taught about compound interest from an early age or anything like that. And yeah with this book if this was on school curriculums how would the world look because then everyone's going to be like despite <laughs> if, if everybody applied this to their lives it's i don't know how society would look right but right now it's like if you know you know you know it's not hidden knowledge because it's in the book and available but if you know you know you know
0: well I don't, I'm not sure about that. I mean, it could be a really dark world that that could be. I don't know, Mm -hmm. but my feeling is it would be the opposite because quite frankly, um, I was somebody myself to speak of myself who was quite naive when I entered the work world at the age of 21 or so, right? I was filled with all these ideas from the university, from my parents. I thought people would be this way. I thought they would be nice that everyone these ideals that they were in the work world to get something done and then i had this rude shock that people all had their egos that there was all this political maneuvering and i made mistakes and i paid for those mistakes and i had a lot of pain i think the people in this world who understand the 48 laws of power instinctively who are the kind of let's say the sharks in this world they don't need the 48 laws of power it's in their dna they were born that way From the age of two or three, they knew how to manipulate their parents and get what they wanted. And they've been practicing the 48 Laws of Power since they were a child, right? They don't need my book. But other people, people who aren't coming from positions of power like 50 or like myself in a different way, we need this book or we need this knowledge so that we don't make these mistakes, so that we're more aware, so we don't get manipulated by the people in power. So I think in some ways it would be a better world if people were more aware and not so innocent and naive. I, I, I'm not sure, but I think, and, and there are, quite frankly, I get emails, there are a lot of kids in high school, ages 15 to 18, who are reading my book, you know, and it's saying that it's helping them a lot because high school can be a pretty difficult environment.
1: Is it, is it true that it's been banned from prisons in the US?
0: It is definitely true. Um, that's We're talking about the 48 Laws of Power and yeah, also the 33 yeah. Strategies of War has been banned. Really? In Pennsylvania, I know for sure, and in Utah and a couple of other states, because it was at one point the most requested book in prison. And when it first came out, I would get emails from people who were in prison here in the United States saying how much the book helped them, right? That was, you know, that was quite startling. I wasn't expecting that, obviously. But if you think about it, prison is, you know, it's, it's stark power in the most brutal form imaginable. And you're dealing with games, not only with fellow prisoners who are playing all kinds of hierarchical games, but you're dealing with the wardens who are also quite evil and amoral. Mm. And if you're a lot of people uh, who are young, who enter the prison system, it's like an insane shock, how do I deal with it? Nothing prepared me for this world. And the 48 laws would really help them, It'd really help them deal with this brutal, stark environment. It gave them a sense of inner control. This one guy wrote me that there was this power game going on where one prisoner was trying to take over the cell block and he essentially used the 48 laws of power to block him and got a lot of, you know, cred from that, you know? <laughs> so. It 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 was it's pretty intense, but you know, I understand that. I mean I often think about what if it would be like if I were in prison and how would I navigate that kind of environment.
1: Mm. I mean your publishers must dread talking to you because you already know. (laughs) (laughs) But it's time for that. New edition It's like, let's go. Yeah. So so you know going back to yourself you know 60 different jobs which law do you relate to the most Well
0: the one that has the most emotional value to me is never outshine the master because I suffered from it but then there's a law get others to do the work but always take the credit which is a pretty evil and dastardly law i admit but that happened to me on several occasions working in hollywood where I would um, write whole blocks of dialogue in the screenplay. And I would never get credit for it. He would put his name on the screenplay. Nobody ever heard of me, you know, and that's quite common practice in the entertainment industry, mm. where lower level people do a lot of the grunt work, do the research, even do some of the creative work, but nobody ever hears about them. So how do you deal with that situation? I didn't deal with it very well, in retrospect. So. I wrote that law of power thinking about how I could have dealt with it better. Then there's a law that I think is very, very important and something that I've learned in over the years to kind of use, which is learn to keep people dependent on you. And the idea is some people think misunderstand the title. What I mean by that is in any kind of job, people will replace you eventually if they can get somebody younger and cheaper to replace you right and there are always 22 year olds 23 year olds who are eager who are willing to work for less money so if you if you do just what other people can do if there's nothing different or special about you you will be replaced in this world right so you need to create a, a position for yourself where you're the only one who can do what you're doing right you've made it so that to fire you will cause the company or your boss a lot of pain And that pain means I can't fire Robert because if I fire him, I can't find somebody to replace him. He's got this particular knowledge, this web of connections that I can't replace. Therefore, my position in life is secure. And it pertains to a hip hop artist, it pertains to a writer like myself. If I'm the only one out there writing a book in the kind of style that I do and that's unique and different, then I have secured a position in this world nobody can really replace me i mean people my books may not become popular eventually but i am one of a kind right and so in that sense that's the ultimate form of power to me that you are someone who's irreplaceable in this world so those are some of the most important laws to me
1: Mm. you can apply that to so many situations as well you know um it's fascinating so how did you end up writing a book with 50 cent how did that come about (laughs) The 50th law. Well, it was,
0: yeah, it was pretty great. Um, it was like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, it was like, I think in the year 2005, where I suddenly got a phone call um, from 50s literary agent, a guy named Mark Gerald, saying that 50 Cent wanted to meet me. And I was like, whoa, okay, sure. Can you come to New York and meet him? And he didn't really explain why, he just wanted to meet me. So... I lead, I lead a kind of boring life here in Los Angeles, writing my books, stuck in my office, reading books about a lot of dead people, right? So here was a chance to meet a real power person, and in in the flesh, and interact with him. And he was obviously respecting me, so naturally I flew out to New York, and it was one of those moments that was kind of unforgettable because it was in a steakhouse, in on Madison Avenue in New York, in the back room, and I was just by myself and 50 was with his entourage right and i felt like a little bit intimidated right i am these are you know he's 50 cent and he's got his whole crew crew there and i'm just me this this kind of you know that's this guy who wrote a couple books and um and i sat next to him the first thing i noticed was the insane bling (laughs) on (laughs) his arm (laughs) he had a this incredible diamond bracelet i had never seen anything like that and his son was there his name escapes me now his first son um and he had uh, the same bracelet on his arms whoa and and then but my first impression was this guy is actually really calm and he's really nice he's Mm -hmm. like sweet Mm -hmm. you know he's Mm -hmm. not what i expected i expected someone that was going to kind of make me quiver in my shoes you know he was very seductive very charming very quiet and we had a really nice conversation at the time he was going through a lot of that a lot of that uh, beef with game game okay and we were talking strategy and i was sort of giving him my take on how to you know how to one-up him based on the war book i had just written And 50 was telling me what he was going to do or what he was doing. And it was really brilliant. And so I left that meeting and I thought they kind of dangled the idea of doing a book together. And Mm -hmm. I'm a bit of a control freak. I don't really like doing books with other people. I want to be Mm -hmm. the boss. Mm -hmm. But I thought this guy's really interesting. And number one, instead of reading books about lots of dead people, here I could interact with a living. I call him the Napoleon Bonaparte of hip hop, right? Yeah. I had just written a book, uh, I had just written a book about Napoleon Bonaparte, and here was like a living example, and I could sense it by how we were talking. So number one, I could get a live figure and interact with him, take my books to another level, and number two, we live in this world where there are all these walls between people. You you come from this world, you come from that world, and we don't like mixing them together. We think it's kind of for some reason were blocked, like an academic could never write a book that's about the average person in the street. You know, you live in your cloistered world, they live in their cloistered world. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to break that down to show what's common between 50 and me? You know, he comes from Southside, Queens, a hustler on the street dealing drugs, drinking crack at the age of nine. I come from a middle-class neighborhood in Los Angeles, you know, Jewish, et cetera very complete, very different environment, mm. but we're the same. We're human. We have the same interests. We have the same desires. There's differences, but there's much, many more similarities. Let's bring these two minds together and create a book. And then as I got to, he got excited about that. And I, we sold the idea and I started hanging out with him. I figured what is the source of fifties power? Cause that's what the book should be about. Right? I figured out what Napoleon's source of power was, what his 50s, and I determined it's the fact that he's fearless. It's not that he's like rash or takes unusual risks, but in any situation, he doesn't really have fear. He's got a calmness about him. And then you would have that calmness yourself if nine bullets had been you know, yeah. shot into you yeah. from close range and you survive. Yeah, yeah. But that fearlessness—I could sense incredible power in it, and I felt I could learn a lot from him. So that's sort of the genesis of that book.
1: Right, crazy. And and you guys are still in touch, you you know.
0: Yeah, oddly enough, I can't talk too much about it. Right. But about eight months ago, I was approached by a Kenya Burris, who's, who's a big showrunner here in the states, yeah, yeah, and a yeah. writer and an actor. You know, he did Blackish and other shows. Yeah, yeah. And he and 50 were kind of teaming up. They wanted to do the 50th Law as a television series for Netflix. Right. Oh, so, sure. Let's, <laughs> that's probably really interesting. <laughs> Why not, you know? And so, um, and, you know, I've been in touch with 50 since then. We've had meetings about the show. I can't really divulge what it's yeah, about because it's, yeah. it's still in the early yeah. process of development. And things move so slowly in Hollywood, but I've you know I've been having Zoom calls with Fifty again, which is really great, and you know it's really it's a, it's we reconnect we're, we we have a kind of a an easy calmness a nice flow between us that over the years has sort of stayed the same. And then he's 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 interested in doing a documentary uh, for his production company. I hope I can divulge this. I hope he does not going to get angry at me called called ruthless which right. is about kind of the phenomenon of people who are ruthless in life and he wants me to help work on it so we've been involved together now
1: so um his his moves into the tv world are incredible what he's done with the power tv series and you know i'm, I'm hearing i'm hearing he's got like i'm hearing some of the things he's got lined up insane like he's, he's took what he did in music straight to tv fascinating the way that he's done it you know it's it's really really great to see
0: well that's that's one of the laws of power um and he understands that recreate yourself so if you get kind of defined and narrowed as this one person you're a hip-hop artist you do this kind of gangster rap then the world gets to define you and in the end it, it diminishes you you become trapped by your own image and he learned early on that he never wanted that to happen He wants to be in control of how people perceive him. And the way to do that is to change your game sometimes, to go shift from being a rapper to an entrepreneur in a way no rapper had ever done, really done before. I mean, Jay-Z had been doing it, but 50, kind of took it publicly to a new level, you know, and then get into television and get into other things. So he's always kind of mixing it up and it's it's a very conscious strategy on his part.
1: You know, as a fan of hip hop, I've seen artists go from strength to strength. Like, really, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see how they've grown. And you know, I've I've been fortunate to witness some of these stories and examples of the the, the, the rise of success firsthand. You know, the privilege to talk yeah. to most of these guys. Um, but it's 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 kind of fascinating to see where it's at now. Like, I mean, talking about Jay Z, he's he's just gone gone clear you know is is more way more than a rapper and it's like he's doing things for the culture now for fun but the moves that he's making incredible you know yeah it's crazy so yeah from just from aside from your relationship with 50 cent and working with him and everything else is there any other rapper where you're like this this person is very in tune with the 48 laws of power this person is there anyone you've noticed or that you come across who else is like you know ten well, out of 10?
0: well uh anecdotally obviously kanye and there was an article about getz and how he's used the 48 laws of power and i've never met him it was very interesting and very exciting how he uses some of the laws but then i've met and i've become friends with drake the rapper drake Um, he reached out to me and we, similar to 50, we met in a, in a, in a restaurant and we had a nice conversation. Uh, We recorded it, but we've never, he's never released it. It would be great one day for him to release that conversation. But, um, he explained to me, you know, as, as coming from his, his background, which is different from fifties, obviously, where he's like an actor. You know, he, he has, he certainly has street cred, but not like, like fifties, you know, he comes from a, a re, reasonably more comfortable environment, not completely, but you know, I don't mean to whitewash it, but, um, and he was in the mute, in the movie business as an actor on a TV show. And then to transition into, into hip hop, he suffered, he's a sensitive guy, you know, and, and it's sort of the source of his power. I think he connects to people emotionally and he's not afraid to reveal some of his own vulnerability. And he suffered horribly in the music business early on. You know, he told me some, some horror stories that I, I don't think I'm very free to share right now, but they were completely 48 Laws of Power. And he discovered the book a little later because his climb to success was later than 50s. I can't remember, something like 06 or 07 or 08, he got the book. And it really, really, really helped him. It may have helped him more than 50 because he wasn't, he, he, didn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't dealing drugs in the streets and dealing with very nasty, difficult people. And that book really kind of anchored him and helped him deal with, with some of these people that he couldn't, in the end, couldn't really trust. And it's not, just, it's not just music executives, it's fellow rappers who are often the cruelest to each other and cruelest to him. And how do you deal with that, and not take it personally? And how do you deal with these these beefs that you don't really want, etc.? So he'd be the one. Yeah, I think the book has really helped him, and I think he's he's also another power figure who's also getting into television, etc.
1: Let, let's talk about your latest book, um, yeah. The Daily Laws. So for people who may not have got it yet, you know, Christmas is coming yeah. soon. Like you definitely need to get that. And give it to your loved ones, but, but what, 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 how, how is that different from the 48 laws of power? Is it, you know, a combination of it? Or is it like a summary? Like, what's the difference?
0: Well, it's basically in the format of a a sort of a calendar day by day, each day of the year is a passage from one of my books, excuse me, also from blog posts that I've made, and from interviews. So it's kind of a, a medley. Some people say it's sort of a greatest hits. I don't really like that, <laughs> that terminology,
1: Right.
0: <laughs> but um, each month has a particular theme. So there's kind of a logic that goes through it. And each month is introduced by an essay that I've written about how, about my own life, which I usually never talk about and how the ideas in my books come from my own experiences. But basically the point of the book, I mean, why produce it? It's not, it's not just a, have a greatest hits out there. The reason I did it was, I believe that there is a a key to power in this life that is the theme in all of my books, that if you understand and master, it will literally change who you are. And what that is, is I talk about it in my last book, The Laws of Human Nature, is the power of your attitude, right? You have an attitude, and that attitude determines how you look at the world. So if you're anxious or worried about the world, you're always seeing possible bad things that could happen, right? You create your own anxiety, you enforce it. If you're an adventurous open spirit, you're seeing adventure and opportunities in everything around you. It's just how you look at the world. And the attitude you want, I think is the source of power that 50 has, that all the great figures in history have is realistic. I call it radical realism, or hardcore realism, where you're able to look at yourself and say, this is who I am, to cut out all the bullshit that you've heard from other people, all the negative things people have said, or even the positive, and actually understand who you are, what makes you tick, what makes you alive, what makes your blood move, who you are as a unique individual. The other thing is to see other people as they are and not project onto them your own emotions and desires but to really understand what makes an individual an individual. And then finally, to understand what's going on in the world right now. The zeitgeist, how things are changing, you know, what the trends are. If you're able to see into yourself and other people and the world, the sky's the limit. You have all the power because most people walk around and they're kind of wrapped in illusions and fog. and. The, the the thing is, these this idea of radical realism it's scattered in six of my books, and I thought I would take it all and put it all in one volume. And you don't have to read long passages. Every day is just one page, and it kind of um, educates you, tries to make you um, take on this realistic attitude in all the different ways I just described. And so if you read this book; it's more kind of a straight dose of all of that kind of philosophy I want to create for you, this radical realism. And so if you give it time, if you meditate on day, it will begin to alter how you look at the world. So that was sort of the point behind the book.
1: Okay. I'm I'm terrible at reading books, right? There's there's a book that I'm reading at the moment, um Black British History. It's an incredible book. I'm halfway through it after three years. Terrible really bad right <laughs> and um and, and, and you know i've got a lot of friends that that use audiobooks <laughs> i know nipsey hustle used to listen to audiobooks i can't do that yes I feel he like, did. i feel like i'm cheating you know i can't i can't i refuse to i, do I that. hear you you know music is I, music yeah, I'm, books I'm are like, books that's where i see it i agree um, but i really like the way that you know with this, this 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 48 48 laws of power like it's kind of like a synopsis at the beginning. They're all at the beginning of the book within, you know. So I think even f- for people like myself or, you know, who either haven't got the time or are just not good at reading books, like it's, it's dope the way that you formatted it. And from the way that you're describing the Daily laws as well, I think, I think it's going to resonate even more with the future generation because Generation Z ain't reading books, man. They're not, they're not reading books like that
0: well some people are reading books you know I mean but I understand it people have short attention spans and you know what I have a bit of a short attention span myself and so when I wrote the 48 laws of power I decided I was going to break everything up like you said so you open the table of contents and there's a paragraph that describes each law you could just read that and and 50 says he knows people who just read that but then when you get into the chapters You don't have page after page after page after page it's all broken up into little into stories into you know other sections and and into little images and quotes and things on the side so it becomes a little bit like almost like a, a television show or a movie where you can just kind of skip around and kind of get what you want and you don't feel overwhelmed by all this text so i completely understand and if that's how you are, The Daily Laws is the perfect book for you. I hope it doesn't take you three years to get halfway through it, that's all.
1: <laughs> no, it really, it really won't. It really won't. Um, but, but listen, it's, it's been great to talk to you. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. Your story is fascinating. Yeah. And your connection to hip-hop is, is, is one of them things that you... You don't even know if you know, if you're in the scene or, you know, what that book means and so forth, there'll be some people like, Oh, why are you talking to Robert Greene? I'm like, of course, I should be talking to Robert Greene in Ukraine. <laughs> like, you know, I got, I got the email for, I was like straight away, you know, I didn't even read the pitch. I was like, yes, when, you know, Oh, um, great, cool. Yeah. But, but you know, I know a lot of people who've read the book. I know a lot of people who've benefited from it. I know some people might have took it a bit too serious. But it's, it's, it's really, really great to connect with you. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's fascinating to see how hip hop is connected to your works. It's, it's crazy. It's dope, though. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. I mean, uh, as I said earlier, um, you know, a lot of people have been interested in the book, like people in Wall Street, etc. But the music musician, the hip hop world is the one that I'm most proudest of and happiest about. I don't know why. You know, I've always been into black culture here in the States growing up Mm. and et cetera, et cetera. So it's made me feel the happiest. I can tell you that and the honor I've had to meet some of these people and to have them honor me when their songs, et cetera, Mm. it's just kind of overwhelming. You know, I really can't express it, but it it is overwhelming. That's
1: cool. It's cool. All right. Well, listen, thank you for taking the time out to do this um You're very welcome. Yeah, the daily, the daily laws definitely. It won't take me three years. We'll talk again soon, no doubt. Well,
0: maybe one year because if you read one page a day, <laughs> it'll take you one year. You definitely. can do that. Now, come on. <laughs> I could do that. I could yeah, do that. Definitely. Just put it in your bathroom and you read yeah. one page a day. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's true. It's true. Okay. Well, listen. Thanks a lot, man, and, and congrats on the thank new you. book. Stay thank you. And thank you
0: so much. There. You yeah. too. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure.